sorry. Thank you. You're good. We want to make sure everybody hears. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm a very emotional person. I have been my entire life. I've been through a lot in my life, but God saved me when I was 17 and brought me to this church as a member when I was 18. That's when I chose the Lord fully in my life and became an adult and got married and I had a two-year-old little girl. He brought me through a lot of stuff and he's always kept me in the palm of his hand and I know that. So I praise him that he's been with me that even though I wasn't always understanding everything because I was so young, right? But he's been with me my entire life and I'm now 60. So I praise God that he's been in my life the whole time. And I'm sorry if I cry. But it's I okay, Rita. Cry. You're in a safe place. Yeah. You're in a but safe I want place. It's to know that I'm happy. Yeah. Okay. It's a little scary, right, when you're sick. But I know that God can heal me today Amen. or whenever He decides. And I am so good with whatever happens because I know where I'm going to be at the end. If my end is here, tomorrow, tonight, next week, next month, 20 years, 50 years, I know I'm going to heaven. Amen. So you can know that you will too. Okay? Thanks. You're, <laughs> so good. Far, You're good. You're good. You're good. I can good. keep going. So uh, let's, let's, put, let's back up a little bit. Okay. Um, for those of you that are not aware, let's get the full story here. Okay. Okay. I, um, it was last Sabbath, um, you, you and, and Mike are both deacons here at our church, and so I'm going to back up even a little bit more. Okay, I'll let you talk. Um, <laughs> uh, Mike, was, Mike was anointed here at church. Some of you may remember that day where we prayed over him, and he was going through a rough uh, crisis. Uh, we were asking God to heal to direct, and he had already gone through one set of surgeries for his back, and we then had an anointing, and God eventually healed him. A year ago. A year ago. So now we fast forward. Um, now, the, the healing wasn't a miraculous healing of instantaneous healing. Uh, let me just put it out there, okay? Sometimes God's blessings take a while to unfold. And this will make sense now because back then, Mike, did you have health insurance? I did not. Okay. So Mike did not have any health insurance. He was able to go through surgery. They, he got a new job. And, and what happened? You got a new job, and what, did you, what were some of the benefits of that job? Yeah, uh, going through and getting the surgery I needed, uh, we just found a way. And the Lord provided a path for me to have that done, which was after all the prayer that happened, just, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe it was a week or so sure. when we were all here together. And I was getting every bit of the church family prayer that gave me the courage to get through it. Yeah. Well, the day after the surgery, what happened to be my birthday, that I was uh, blessed with all the love of my friends, my church family, and everyone, and then I just had to recover. I knew the Lord said, you get well, and you get on with it. So I did. I got well, and I got on with it, and with the help of everyone here, 
the prayers work, and I yeah. truly believe that there's nothing more powerful than that. So, anyway, so I got to work. I ended up uh, getting better, doing stuff around the house, and of course I, you know, retired from my tile business, and I was just kind of doing stuff around the house. I am getting bored. I'm getting better. So, I ended up getting a job. I work at the brand new Home Depot on Alico Road in the tile department, and I don't have to do all the heavy work, but I love dealing with all the people there. Anyway, as time went by, they wanted me to go full-time. I did. I was able to get health insurance for Rita and I, and uh, here we are. So I believe in the, the plan of the Lord's hand that the purpose for me to get the surgery, get well, get a job to get the health insurance was to provide us, meaning mainly Rita, with the insurance that we needed. So now it's her turn. So that's kind of the way things went. Yeah, and he wasn't, you know, all sure about the Sabbath and all that, but I told him, I said, just ask for it and trust God that he's going to make it all work out. And it took a few weeks or a month for them to quit asking him to work on Sabbath. And he, he, he kept his faith and he said, no, I won't. I'll work any other day, but this is my day for my Lord and my family and friends, and I'm not working. Please make another way. And God did it. He did. And I remember getting that phone call asking, hey, pastor, please pray for us because of the Sabbath. And so not a problem. One of the things I want to highlight is that I've been so impressed, Mike, by your faith. Me too. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so um, much. I've been so impressed by your faith because you shared with me this week that you saw fit that God allow you to go through what you did so now you can take care of Rita. Absolutely. And, and that was such an amazing statement for me. Um, and you know, it, it was just uh, probably maybe three or four weeks ago that uh, when I noticed the decline with Rita that I was so grateful that the Lord had presented that path for me, and that's when I realized that's probably what happened. So, so now we fast forward to last week. Uh, last, Sabbath. La last Sabbath, I get a phone, a text message from my wife saying, "Hey, um, you need to check in on Rita when you get back, and she's going to the hospital." Last Sabbath. Yeah. This was last Sabbath, and as you all know, I'm, I'm not, I was not here. And so I texted her uh, the following morning to make sure, hey, I'd like to come and visit with you. And she said, hey, I'm in the hospital. And she just was very open and very honest about her situation. I'm too honest and open. And, uh, and she said, hey, Pastor, I got a, a brain tumor. And then at the same time, I got a text from Danielle mentioning, hey, uh, please make sure you check in on Rita. And, and what I love about our team here is that I can be away and I know that people are looking out for each other. And so when I went back to business, uh, you know, my duty, and I got the email to, to lift her up in prayer, um, I said, okay. It, and I got back. And when I got back, she told, she shared with me, she's like, Pastor, I have a five centimeter about two inches, uh, two-inch tumor. I think somewhere right here on in the, her head. Right, more on the right side, but it's kind of in the middle. They so, don't know what it is. There's been no biopsy or anything. 
So this, Rita has uh, scheduled a, another appointment to go get reevaluated. Um, in about a week and a half. In about a week and a half. But the first, um, what did they tell you? Okay, so when we went for the appointment last Saturday and Sunday and gave me my results Monday, they did an EKG, an MRI, and a CAT scan and said that I have a mass here. They don't know what it is. Get your ducks in a row and get back here as soon as you can. So all this week I'm working on my ducks. They're not 100%, I'm not duck free yet. I, I, we're trying to finish that today with and, you know, insurance and life insurance and family. And so everybody um, knows that everything's ready because once they do the surgery, right, that's when it begins. And I don't want anybody touching my head <laughs> until I know my duck's in a row because then I'm gonna feel better and I can move positive in that yeah. direction. So today I hope is our last day that we get to sit down and get my ducks in a row. Yeah. Pray that I get this done today. It's just a matter of scanning some paperwork and submitting it. but. With everything that's going on, and family, friends came over from long away yesterday, and I'm spending time with you, my other church family. There's just a lot. There is a lot. Yeah. And you are going through a lot, Rita. This, there's no, there's no uh, way to describe it. Then you are right. going through a lot. Um, and so you, you, yeah. you are feeling pressure, and I'm not trying to make no. light of the situation. But you're feeling pressure from all sorts of, right. Uh, right. of areas in your life. I want to invite the elders of the church, uh, and I'm gonna invite also the, the Curtis family to join us up here. Uh, and I wanna invite you to join us in prayer as we, uh, we're gonna do an anointing uh, for Rita. We're gonna ask for God to heal her. I believe that we can do that. Amen. I believe it is all right as his children to ask yes. our creator for healing. Amen. Even so, as you heard it from, from Rita herself, that even if the healing isn't and the miracle isn't done so. right away, right. she still trusts in God. Amen. And I think that that is the, the most important thing that we take out of all of this right. is not so much that God can and he may, but regardless of what happens, regardless. he's still sovereign. And so, um, Rita, is there anybody else you would like to join you here on stage? Whoever wants to come up, I'm good with. All right. I'm good with that, too. If you're comfortable sitting down, I'm good with it. Okay. So, the, the Bible says that if anybody is sick, let him call the elders and anoint them. Because the prayer of the faithful has power. All right, it says avails much, but it has power. The Bible says that the, I'm going to put this over you like a bib. I don't want your, okay. okay. Just tuck it in if you have to. That's what Michael does. All right, there you go. Not really, sure. but. Thank you. I'm I going to invite you to join us in prayer. And if you would like to join us up here, you, you're more than welcome to. If you're a family, if you're close, if you're friends with Rita, um, you're welcome to join us up here. If you have been an elder, if you are an elder at a, at a previous church or at another church, and you would like to join us, you're welcome to do that as well. So 
All right. Can I say something while they're getting ready? Sure. I'm not in any pain. Praise God. I just have fogginess like we sometimes get when too much is going on. But praise God, I haven't had any pain yet, and I'm on two medicines until I see the doctor. All right. Okay. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, here's your daughter. He is somebody you have given life. Because you are the good shepherd, you are here and you came not to condemn the world, but to save it. You came to heal it. You came to bring such a blessing that it was unheard of of what you did here on earth at that time. But Lord, you also said that greater things you will do to his disciples than that which I've already done. And Lord, we're claiming that promise, not because any of us are worthy, not because we we have merit, Mm. but because we are covered by the blood of Jesus. So here's your daughter. We present her to you. And Lord, as we, we anoint her, may this oil, a symbol of your spirit, flow through her Lord, may you heal her. That is our request. But we request that this healing be, be done to bring honor and glory to your name. Amen. Amen. Not, for, not to her. Not for me. Not for her family. Though those are all beneficiaries of this blessing. But your name alone. Lord, we trust that and we have faith that you can do that. And then if you so choose, you will. But nevertheless, we thank you for the testimony that the Prossers have shared with us this morning. We thank you for how you have led them and cared for them and provided for them. And you, will, and you are not done yet. No. So thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer. Thank you for taking the time to incline your ear. And Lord, we look forward to seeing how you will bless this family. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I know God's going to bring people to him through my situation, whether it be family, friends, strangers. My daughter needs prayer. She loves God, and so does her husband, but they don't have a close connection with God that they should. But some of my family members do. So she's my only baby, and ask that you pray for my daughter, Stephanie, and her husband, Tim. That if, if the one thing that comes out of this is that my daughter is safe so I can see her in heaven, that's my prayer. I will go through this. Amen. Thank you, Rita. Thank we love you. you. I know. All right. You can use this towel. Sorry if I cried. You're good. You're in a safe now, place. I recognize faces and stuff, but not like the names don't come real quick to me right now. But thank God I'm not in pain. Thank <laughs> so. you. All right. Are we good? Yeah. Thank you. I love you. Thank love you. you. Thank you. Love you too. Man.
No, this is this was awesome. Amen. I don't have any my 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 wheel of emotions right now is just awesome. Um, I was going through that with my son this week on um, talking through how we feel, what we feel. The word awesome wasn't on that wheel. Um, but that's how I feel right now. Um, can we pray together one more time? Father God, we sense your spirit in this place. And we ask that you continue to lead us in him. That as we transition from hearing this awesome testimony on how you are, you have blessed both Mike and Rita. Lord, you're looking to bless us too. Not just because of what we've experienced, but Lord, there's, there's something today that when you put into to my heart to speak on this subject, you had people in mind, not me. And I confess that I was one of those you had in mind. So Lord, as we are about to open your word, create in us a clean heart to hear you loud and clear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, Rick, Pastor Rick, took us to the first, series, first sermon on the series entitled The Road to the Promised Land. And he highlighted that the enemy has two twin towers that he uses to discourage us. One's discouragement, and the other one is fear. There's another one. I want to add to the third twin. Create now the, another one. And I want to highlight that this morning because today's sermon is, only, is part one, and we're going to conclude this particular sermon next week, and then we're going to conclude our series the following. But today we're going to talk about the road to spirituality and the, how this, the road to dot, 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 came into being was for me reading a particular text in the book of Luke. And that's how things got started. And I'm like, Lord, okay, this is really good. Now what? And so today we're going to go into that chapter. And so I want to, before getting into that chapter, some of you will recognize the story, but we're going to break it down a little bit. I want to share with you a story that happened to me yesterday. As I'm walking through Walmart getting ready for, for Sabbath and getting groceries ready for fellowship dinner, I turn the corner. This is not the aisle. This, this is just so you understand where I'm at, and this is as a reference. I turned into the candy aisle. I did not purchase candy. Sorry. Sorry, Victor. 
And as I turned into the candy aisle, there was a man that when he looked at me, his heart skipped. You're looking at me like, what? He was about five foot nothing. And he saw me and he said, you can help me. And I said, well, maybe. I said, what, what, what can I help you with? And he says, can you reach up there and grab something for me? And I said, sure. What is it? And it was a box of chocolates for his wife. Oh. His heart skipped a beat. It was clear. It's like he was, he was there. And I can just imagine the anticipation. The, the, how am I going to get? I want that. And, and then all of a sudden, here comes a six foot four. Can you get that for me? Sure, and I got it for him. The story that I want to highlight to you, with you today is found in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 13 through 35. For those of you that are familiar with the story, I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to paraphrase it and tell it to you real quickly. This is the story that takes place in a setting right after Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus has been crucified, and Jesus has been already laid in the tomb. And the Bible tells us that there are many who followed him. We know for sure there were 12. We call them the apostles, the 12 disciples. And as a little kid, I remember learning a song with all their names. But there were more. There were more disciples of Jesus. There were those who followed him wherever he went, and their names are not in the Bible. And in this story, we find the name of one that his name is mentioned in all of the Bible, only in this story. And so the setting is on Sunday morning, the first day of the week. They go out to see, Mary goes out to see the tomb, and it's not there. And they see angels, and they tell them, hey, the, the person that you're here, that you're looking for, is no longer here. And they rush back. And so they share this whole story with the, the 12 and the others that were with him, and they run back to the tomb and here's where we find the two they left and as they are leaving on the way to Emmaus which is about seven miles outside of Jerusalem and they're walking on that road they're arguing back and forth is he the one it couldn't have been man we followed him for three and a half years and what do we get nada zero zip the person we look forward to, to coming to be our Messiah, to rescue us from the Roman Empire, is dead. And who knows what happened to his body? I can, the Bible doesn't say any of that. But I can imagine the discussion, because when you read into the story, and when you read the story, we find glimpses and hints to that mentality. So today... Maybe you're one of those two. Maybe you're one of those that have tried this gospel thing. 
Or maybe you're sitting on the outskirts and you're thinking, man, I've seen what they have to offer, but it doesn't look very, like it makes a whole lot of sense. But they were discussing amongst themselves, talking out loud, when all of a sudden a stranger appears and asks them, what are you two talking about? (laughs) I have to laugh. Because the Bible, you know, Luke, the guy who wrote this, which is one of the apostles, he says, then one of those whose name was Cleopas, the only time his name is mentioned in the Bible, the only time this disciple is, is referred to in, in, the, in the entire Gospels, listen to what he says. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened in these days? Are you that obtuse? Are you blind? Do you not know what's taking place? Where have you been? What rock were you under? The Bible says, and he said to them, what things? The irony, right? And so they said, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. And they tell him, who was a prophet mighty indeed, a word before, and indeed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem us who is going to redeem Israel. How many times have we gotten it wrong? How many times have we put our own perspectives into where God is wanting to lead us? How many times do we come to a place where we say, I know this is the direction God is leading me, but God's like, wait, no, no, that's not quite it. The Bible tells us that he began to open the scriptures. Now, they weren't carrying a scroll. They didn't have a Bible. But the Bible says that he opened the scriptures before them. In other words, he went back to the very same things that they understood. Right? I can see why they would feel the way they did. One, because... When you look at texts like Exodus chapter 19, is it 18? 19, verse 5 and 6 says, Now therefore, if you indeed will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. These are words that God told Moses to speak to them. But you have to understand the context. They had just been liberated from from bondage, right? And so God is telling them, and the only thing that, that they knew how to do was to take order. And so he said, keep these, do this, and you will get that. 
So there was a framework of, of already that permeated and it continued to permeate throughout generations that in order for them to be, to, to be considered the apple of his eye was to do and keep and obey the commandments. Which would in to transactional type of leadership. I ask you to do something, you do it, and then I reward you. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, it says, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by then I am the Lord. Okay? And then you have other texts, like even Jesus himself, when he was walking with his disciples, says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Not only did he just say that once, later in 1510, he said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There is a transactional component taking place. And so you have now generations of Israelites thinking that the only way to be in God's favor is to do something. How many of you grew up saying that if you don't do this, God's going to punish Right? If you don't keep the Sabbath, God's not going to bless you. Well, did you know that God blesses the, both the wicked and the, and, and the holy? All right. So the, it wasn't so much the transaction or the, the doing. It was the lens that they had. They were looking at it from a lens that looked at themselves and set themselves up in a status rather than relationship. Because when you look at it, it's like you take a bunch of blind people, put them into a room, and you tell them to give them specific areas of an elephant, and they're all going to give you a different description. When you don't have clear vision of what you're looking at, the tendency is for us to lose sight and to focus on something that is not what God had intended in the first place. In this moment, Jesus comes in and he says, Oh, you foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets had spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? He went back into the, he opened the scriptures before them and he said, hey, I want you to remember in Genesis 3.15, it wasn't the sacrifice of the lamb that saved you, but the sacrifice that it represented of the coming of the Messiah. He showed them that scripture, I imagine, because it, the Bible tells us that he went back to the writings of Moses and of Psalms and of the prophets. So in, in my holy imagination, I can just imagine him painting this picture for them and then showing them says listen in Noah do you know what do you remember what Moses said about Noah is that he found grace where was grace before why is it people look at the old testament as if it, that's a mean god we find grace sprinkled throughout the entire old testament 
And then he, he didn't stop there. He said, what about Abraham, who was accounted for righteousness for not giving up his only son? In other words, he wasn't made righteous because he took his son, but he was accounted for as because of the ram that it represented coming to pay for his sins. I can also imagine him looking at Psalm chapter 45, 2, 55, 12 through 4, where it talks about the message that the Messiah would bring is a message of mercy. In all of this, he took him also probably to Isaiah 53 of the suffering servant. He said, listen, he needs to suffer all these things in order for your sins to be forgiven. That's the redemption of Israel, not a political one. And then he took him probably to Daniel. I'm sure he didn't have this graph with him. But he talked about how the suffering servant was going to come. And at the end, in the middle of the last week of his life, he was going to be cut off. In other words, he was, die. He was going to die. And use this to unfold and open the scriptures. The interesting part, and I need some volunteers. All right, come on up, Tyler. Come on up, Kurz. That's it. All right, Andrew, Victor, I'm going to volunteer you because you're going to like this. Can I get those papers, please? All right. Whoever said you can't have fun in church didn't know Jesus. Amen. So here's your task. Make me a paper airplane. Okay? Make me a paper airplane. Is there any adults who want to try this? Come on up, Dennis. All right, you guys have 30 seconds to make a plane. You want to try one, Edric? All right, go ahead, give it a shot. Okay? The unfolding of Scripture was taking place right before their eyes, and as Jesus was explaining these things, something was happening. Something amazing was taking place. You see... One of the coolest things about Scripture is that we do bring different lenses to the table, right? We do have different perspectives. We do have these things that we take with us and, per, and ideas and all of these things influence on how we construct our idea of what the gospel represents, And so, are you guys ready? You all ready? Okay, so, hold on just a second. I need to finish mine.
All right. You guys ready? All right. We're going to throw paper airplanes in church. How's that? And your pastor told you to do it. How's that? Okay. So who wants to go first? Okay. Go for it, Victor. Where you go? All right. Mark that spot, please. Go, go, go where, your, where yours is. Go ahead, Kurz. Uh, that's all right. Okay. There you go. All right. Edric, you want to go? Go. Okay. Go, go right to where yours are. All right. Good, good job, Andrew. Good job. Dennis? Okay. We go right there. Go ahead, Ty. You got, a, you got a glider. All right, here we go. It's all fun and games until you poke somebody's eye out. All right. All right. Let's stop here for a minute. This is a good illustration. All right. You can keep that as a souvenir, Sue. Will you sign it, please? I will. So, who flew the best airplane? Victor, all right. You guys can come up, too. Thank you for throwing. Come on up. This is, this is going to help. Good job. High five. Okay, may I have your plane, please? I, I promise I won't rip it. All right. So, what instructions did I give you? Make a paper airplane. I didn't tell you how. I didn't tell you which how to fold your planes, did I? I made a different plane. He made a different plane. We all made different planes from each other, right? But this one is what we were hoping everybody want, was going to get. When you throw it, we were hoping that all of them was going to go far. Now, the best way for us to understand how this plane made it as far as it did is if I unfold it. By unfolding it, I will be able to tell exactly where each fold was. And then I'm able to replicate that to be able to get it to fly. All right? Thank you. The same thing. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. In the same way, Jesus was unfolding. In the same way. Thank you, guys. In the same way, Jesus unfolded the scriptures before their eyes. In Psalm 119.30, says, The unfolding of your words gives what? Light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Jesus needed to unfold the scriptures in such a way that it brought light back to himself. Where the disciples were, they had one perspective. They had, all they did was fold that paper airplane the same way throughout their entire lives. And here's somebody who says, this is a different way. Look at this one. You're going to fly farther. Luke 24, 28 says this. Then they drew near the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. Can you imagine walking with Jesus? And he says, I want to go farther with you. But that's exactly what he wants to do with us each and every single day. He wants to unfold scriptures to us. On that road of spirituality that we all have, as we are going backwards and forwards, we all have our ups and downs. We all have, and Steve shared this with us last week. 
We all have our struggles. We all have our valleys and our mountaintops experiences. I guarantee you, if you were to ask him, he's going to say, yeah, it's gone up and down. But you know what? That's the road to spirituality. David echoed this really well in Psalm chapter 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil. Why? Because you are with me. And Jesus unfolded that to them. And all of a sudden, when they were breaking bread, right after they stepped inside the house, Jesus disappears. And they looked at each other, and, and I think that's like for the first moment in this story, they're like, that was Jesus. And one of them says, did not our hearts burn? within us when he opened the scriptures to us. When was the last time your heart burned for Jesus? When was the last time that when you opened the Bible and you said, Lord, I don't get this, and he revealed something to you, and you're like, whoa, has your heart ever burned? Maybe today, maybe today is an opportunity for you to ignite that burn. Maybe today God is giving you that opportunity as Rita has been experiencing of God just not only bringing her peace of mind, despite of the, whatever lays before her, despite of whatever you have had going on in your life, God wants to burn, to insidiate your heart this morning. So this, I don't know if I'm talking to somebody who's never had their hearts ignited. If I'm talking to somebody who, it's been a while, your heart's there, but you may be feel that you're cold. Scripture tells us that remove this heart of stone and put a heart of flesh. And just like in the valley of the dry bones, when you ask, when God tells for you to speak, speak the name of Jesus. And he's going to cause the, your, your bones to come alive. Your heart to burn, to beat stronger, faster for him. Because that is the first step on your road to spirituality, on your road to the promised land, on your road to the kingdom of heaven. If this is you this morning, ask God, ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask him, I dare you. Because he's not gonna leave you the same. He's gonna kick the doors wide open and he's going to reveal the scriptures and it's going to unfold in such a way where you will soar with him. I dare you.